Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to What The Bump. I have been meaning to and wanting to record this episode for like the past week and a half. And honestly, I have just not gotten around to it. I started back at Western Governors University to finish my bachelor's because I actually do only have an associate. So I'm doing my RN to BSN through them online and it has just kind of been taking a lot of my time. I'm trying to finish it in six months, which is a little optimistic with a full-time job and you know other things in life. But I thought no better time than now, especially with quarantine, there's not too much else to do. And it just seemed like a good time to just get this done so I have been back in school which has been taking a lot of my time we were home for a wedding of our two best friends this past weekend in Ohio which was super super fun and relaxing and just kind of a good break and I know you guys probably think I'm crazy for going to a wedding um, during quarantine but if it was anybody else's we probably would not have but these are our two best friends who actually introduced me and my husband so we truly could not miss their wedding we just could not so today we are going to be talking about natural induction methods and most of these methods are things that you can do on your own at home a couple of them are going to be more so like medical more medicalized natural induction methods but before we start I just want to say that I do not want you to attempt any of these methods before you are term or at least somewhere around the 40 week mark of your pregnancy also please consult your doctor before trying any of these methods that I talk about I cannot give you medical advice or necessarily recommend them I'm just discussing what I know so these methods are not necessarily proven they don't have much evidence to back all of them up Um, it's hard really to study it I guess you could say so it's hard to say that a woman who tried these methods went into labor from the natural induction method that she tried or just because it was time anyway and maybe she was 40 weeks and her body was already going into labor so it's really hard to study these methods it doesn't mean that some some people swear by them but we're just going to talk about them some kind of methods that are known to help with natural induction Starting off, let's talk about what a due date even is. Because I said not to try before like that 40 week or just the term mark and talking to your physician. So your due date is an estimated time of when the baby will arrive based on your last menstrual period and the baby's size and measurements that they take through ultrasounds. Babies are generally very healthy if born give or take one to two weeks from their estimated due date. So let's say like 38 to that 42 week mark is normally when babies are generally healthy. Typical pregnancies last between that 38 and 42 week mark. In total, I have, I believe, about 13 natural induction methods. So some of them are pretty straightforward, pretty simple. You've probably heard of them, and some of them might be a little bit more complex. Um, So let's just jump right in. Number one, and I kind of tried to like rank them from kind of like easiest, least invasive, like to kind of at number 13, kind of getting more into like a little more complicated, I guess you could say. So number one, very simple exercise. So exercise won't necessarily induce labor, but it can get your body ready for labor. We always say labor is a marathon. So exercising really just helps your body prepare. So get moving, it helps release oxytocin. Oxytocin is the hormone that will actually carry you through labor. And it just also helps gravity move the baby lower into your pelvis. So, you know, sitting down all day, laying down all day, not moving much, doesn't do too much to help your body for labor, whereas exercise will. The second point is going to be sex. Sex 
definitely your doctor will probably tell you sometimes when you get closer to that and maybe you hit that 40 week mark to have sex, sexual activity and actually having an orgasm can release oxytocin, which will jumpstart uterine contractions. And if you want to know more about oxytocin, I know I just mentioned it with exercise also, go back to my last podcast and I I talked about Pitocin in that and Pitocin induction, but oxytocin is the natural form of Pitocin. So I will touch on the role of oxytocin in labor and that will kind of give you a better understanding of why, you know, exercise and sex work because they release oxytocin. There are also prostaglandin hormones in semen that are thought to help ripen the cervix. So this is not recommended after your water is broken due to the risk of infection, but before your water is broken, generally with a normal pregnancy, sex is a safe and good way to kind of help try to induce natural labor. The third way to induce natural labor is going to be nipple stimulation. So again, going along with exercise and sex, nipple stimulation will release oxytocin production, which is the hormone that causes the uterus to contract and the breasts to eject milk. You can do this manually like hand expressing, or you can use a breast pump, but you can try this to induce labor as well. The fourth one is going to be spicy foods. So spicy food irritates your intestines and it's thought to cause your uterus to contract. So some doctors might advise against spicy food as it might only cause your stomach to get upset. There's not really evidence that proves that spicy foods are natural labor inducers, but if you can generally tolerate spicy food well and you think that your bloated belly is worth the try, then this definitely is a method you can try. Some people will tell you it works, um, but you might just get a little bit of heartburn instead of actually going into labor, but it's definitely worth a shot. The fifth natural induction method is pineapple. And pineapple isn't necessarily to induce labor. It's more so thought to help ripen your cervix for labor. So pineapple is loaded with an enzyme called, and I might pronounce this wrong, but bromelain. It's B-R-O-M-E-L-I-A. E-L-A-I-N. Wow. And it's thought to help with cervical ripening. And I did read in another like study that looked at this that the amount in pineapple was so small that you would have to eat a lot of pineapple to actually get the effects of this. So not really sure about this one, but if you do like pineapple, it's definitely something you can try. Number six is acupuncture or acupressure. So in Chinese medicine, it is believed that this helps balance the vital energy within your body, but it is also used to stimulate changes in hormones and oxytocin release. And you definitely want to have this done by a licensed acupuncturist. If you don't like the idea of acupuncture, which is just those tiny little needles right on the surface of your skin, you can always try acupressure, which is kind of the same areas, but with more pressure instead of the little needles. Or you can always try massage. And number seven is my absolute favorite because I just think it has the most scientific evidence backing it and they taste amazing, but is dates. And dates are like little, they look like big dried raisins with little pits in them. And I buy the Mahoji dates, but studies show that eating about seven dates a day from around 36 to 37 weeks and beyond will increase the cervical ripening and cervical dilation at the onset of labor. It also decreases the need for Pitocin augmentation during labor. And I can link this study in the notes for this podcast, but date fruits contain 13 vital substances and five kinds of vitamins, fatty acids, and sugars. This fruit, which is rich in minerals, is recommended for pregnant women who need an energizing and nutritious food. Date fruit also influences estrogen and progesterone hormones, which prepare the uterus and cervical ripening. Eating seven date fruits a day after about 36 weeks has been proven to have a shorter labor, faster cervical dilation, and even a shorter pushing phase in first-time moms and even women who've had multiple babies. 
my favorite way and I'm not pregnant or trying to, you know, induce labor or anything, but I just love this method because it's, it's very safe. I mean, it's just a fruit, it's date fruit and they taste like little, they taste like caramel to me, but they basically look and have the texture of like a big dried raisin. I cut them in half, take the pit out, put a little bit of peanut butter in them and then I put them in the freezer and I just store them in the freezer and they're super good. They taste like a little like peanut butter caramel dessert, I guess you could say. So that's my favorite way. I know a lot of women who are using them for pregnancy since seven dates is a lot. And it honestly, it is a good amount of sugar. They just put them in like a morning smoothie or an evening smoothie or kind of split it up and do like four in the morning and four in the evening and shakes, which is another great way. The eight induction method is going to be red raspberry leaf tea. And this is another very, very popular method. So the red raspberry leaf tea is thought to tone and strengthen the uterus in preparation for labor. Even if it doesn't work, it does help you stay hydrated. And I think red raspberry leaf tea tastes pretty good. So I know a lot of women will start drinking in the last few weeks of their pregnancy. Talk to your midwife or your OB for the dosing of this. I do know some women who will start in the second trimester with one cup a day. And then when they hit kind of like that 35, 36 week mark, they will start drinking two cups a day. Next up is evening primrose oil. Many midwives will suggest evening primrose oil for their pregnant patients since this herb helps the cervix to thin out and dilate, which is always our goal in labor, and it helps to prep for labor. You can take it as a capsule during the last few weeks of pregnancy, but again, as with a evening primrose oil and everything else I've talked about, talk to your provider about this um, because you really do have to get the dosing right before trying evening primrose oil. And women with placenta previa should definitely stay away from this herb. Number 10 and easily my my least favorite as a labor and delivery nurse is castor oil. Castor oil is a laxative. Let me say it again for the people in the back. Castor oil is a laxative. So some women will drink one to two ounces, which is about 30 to 60 milliliters of castor oil to stimulate prostaglandin release, which will help ripen the cervix and get labor started. It also irritates your bowels, which is thought to help labor get started, kind of goes along with that spicy food idea. So please, please, if you're going to do this, do it under the supervision of a midwife or a doctor. Be careful not to drink too much of it. It will cause vomiting and diarrhea. Trust me. That is why when I say it's labor and delivery nurse, it is my least favorite is because it causes the vomiting and the diarrhea and honestly it works. So I've had a patient, I've had multiple patients come in and you know, they're in labor and they're having contractions and they tell me they took castor oil and then they start throwing up and they start having diarrhea. And honestly, sometimes it can cause almost a false labor. You're more so contracting and having a super irritable uterus. You might even dilate a little bit because you're vomiting and because you're having diarrhea and because you're getting dehydrated. As we know, dehydration will cause contraction. So sometimes it can be that kind of a false labor. Sometimes it will go on and throw you into full blown labor. But if you're going to try this, it is really important that you do it under the supervision of a midwife or a physician. I personally would steer clear from castor oil, but if you want to try a spoonful or you just want to give it a try and you're desperate because you want to avoid a medical induction, talk to your practitioner and see if they will help you to figure out the dosing of castor oil. Another method that some women will try, this is at number 11, is I might pronounce this wrong, but black cohosh cohosh, whatever, <laughs> but it has been associated with fetal heart failure and stroke as well as maternal complications during labor. So there's not much evidence on taking this to induce labor. And personally with the things that has been associated with, which was fetal heart failure, stroke, and maternal labor complications, I would completely avoid this method. I did just want to touch on it because if you 
go and research or Google natural induction methods, it is one that will most likely show up eventually. Number 12 is membrane sweeping. So this is done by your OB or your midwife. They normally will start doing this about a week before your due date, or even if you go past your due date. And it is where a finger is inserted through the cervical opening and swept in a clockwise motion to kind of break apart that lower part of the membrane or even like your bag of water from the uterine wall in the cervix. It can be very uncomfortable for some women, and it's only possible if your cervix is dilated just a tiny bit. I mean, if you think about it, if your cervix is thick and closed and far and high, they're not going to be able to get that finger in there to kind of break apart the membrane from the uterine wall. So you do have to be a little bit dilated. Now, available data does show that an increase in spontaneous labor follows from this procedure. It's associated sometimes with slight vaginal bleeding, cramping, and there's a tiny risk of rupturing your membranes. Now, complications are pretty rare. A lot of women do get membrane sweeps and go into labor later that day or the following day. And this is why OBs use it a lot because it is a pretty successful method to kind of more naturally induce labor. Number 13 and my last natural induction method is to relax, to meditate, and to trust your body. I know for many first-time moms, they do go past due and a lot of our first-time moms do end up having to be induced medically for labor. Now talk to your practitioner, try any of these methods that they will support you in and that you want to try and you feel are safe for you. But in the end, relaxing, meditating, trusting your body, a little bit of prayer can go a long way. So sometimes the more you think about going into labor, I swear, like the less likely you are to. Sometimes if you just relax and let it go and trust your body to do what it's made to do, you will just go into spontaneous labor. So that is my last bit of advice. If you've exhausted other methods and that you're set for a medical induction, try to just take a break, try to relax. And if you have to be induced medically in the end of the day, who cares? It is all about having a healthy mother and a healthy baby. Before trying any of these methods to induce labor, speak with your healthcare provider, go over risks, benefits, possible complications, and decide on a plan together. Though some of these methods are just popular folklore among pregnant women and women on Facebook and just, you know, random women that you meet, little scientific evidence really supports a lot of their efficiency. But however, some of them are truly known to help with inducing labor. In most cases, it's just best to let your baby do its own thing and create their own birth date, even if it means waiting a little while. And make sure you guys come back next week for another episode. It's going to be a fun one that I'm really excited for. It's going to be 10 things that labor and delivery nurses wish you knew. Hopefully 10. Might go a little bit more. I'm not sure yet. But come back next week for that episode. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I'm still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you. And